You ready? Yep. Lucas, 100%. I hope so. I hope so too. Did y'all coordinate on these t-shirts or they, is it just happening by uh, coincidence? We coordinated. It's like just coincidence. Yeah, we, we coordinated a long time ago. And now it just happens. And what was the coordination a long time ago? We would all wear these shirts on Friday. Do what? Wear these shirts on Friday. That's it. Okay. Those particular ones? Yep. The burgundy then, ones? Yeah. But then he messed it up. He messed it up. He messed it up. They're I think trying we should to wear overalls. I messed it up for making my own choices. Yes. See? Not allowed to make a choice for yourself. Yeah, Lucas. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack, let's get started. The fall quiz. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were instantly aware of what, Jack? Their nakedness. Yes, their nakedness. That is correct. They're instantly aware of their nakedness. All right, number two. Chapter three describes the Bethany. Fall. Yeah, the fall of man. The fall of man. Number three, Lucas, what death did Adam and Eve experience immediately? Spiritual. A spiritual death. And how would you define a spiritual death? Being separated from God. Yeah, good job. Number four. Bryson, number four. Why were they expelled from the garden? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, yes. But was there any grace in doing that? Was God demonstrating any grace towards them in doing that? Yes, because um, what I put is so they would not have to be, they would not have to or be able to live forever in their sin. Yes, right, because what, what would possibly lock them into that? Yes, okay, good. Yeah. So I put their spell from the garden so they couldn't live in the paradise God made and so they couldn't eat the tree of life. Yeah, they good. Good, solid answer. What was your question? Why were you wondering? Um, because I didn't say because they ate of the fruit. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of consequences to that, as you can, I'm sure you're going to tell me later in 13, 14, 15. But yeah. But that's why they were expelled. Because they ate of the fruit? Yes, because they ate of the fruit. But. God was gracious in doing that. How so? Because he just could have killed them. Yeah, so that they would die. Can you imagine knowing that you're going to live in this fallen world forever? Of course you can't. You're too young to, to, to think of that as difficult. How could you at 13, 14, 15 years old, 16, 17? It's impossible to think that. What a... Um, dread that would be but the older you get the more you're going to be aware of the significance of living in a fallen world the the overwhelming realities of it i'm not even going to talk to you about it because you're too young you can't even grasp it and i don't expect you to um number five what tactic tactic did the serpent use to tempt eve preston did God really say? Yeah, good job. Did God really say? Yeah, that's excellent. That's what we're looking for. Is Bryce I put it, he used a half truth. Yeah, half truth. Yeah, did God really say? Is that is that really what God said? I put he questioned. Yeah, question. Yeah, that's his tactic to get us to question the reality of God's word. Is it really God's word? Is there a God? Does he communicate? Is his communication found in the Bible? Is that really what God said? I put he twisted words. Yeah. I put deceiving. Deceiving, yes. I put confusion. Confusion, sure, but it's it's not quite confusion. It's it's a little bit confusion. It's more like deception, pure out. Um, see, Eve had a moral choice. Number seven, Bryson. What did what did Adam fail to do in chapter three and this temptation? He failed to be the spiritual leader by letting Eve eat, eat the fruit. Yeah, he should have been running interference. I put it. He failed to step in and show dominion. Yeah, he certainly did fail to step in. I put he failed to refuse the fruit. Yes, he did that. But in regard to Eve, Preston, what should he have been doing? I mean, here's here's the serpent. Here's Eve. And where's Adam at? In the bathroom. It seems like it. Why isn't he having a conversation with Adam? Because Adam was there and God gave him the command. Yeah. I mean, 
make yourself married. So give yourself a, an amazing wife or a, a stud of a husband. All right, you got it? Yes, no, you got it? I saw that picture of your um, big brother Noah, right? Huh. Isn't that your oldest brother? And he had this cowboy gun on his hip and everything like that on Facebook, you know. So there's your cowboy that you're going to marry, Anna. And, uh, okay, knock, knock on the front door. Okay, the wife goes to the door. And Jack, you hear this obnoxious salesman giving your wife a hard time at the front door. Just, you know, she's like, no, thank you. Well, can I come in and talk? No, we don't need it. And, and he's continuing. And you're just on the couch with the remote control in your hand. And she's out there. What should you do, guys? Seven. Yeah, exactly. You're not suggesting that she can't handle it. That's not what you're suggesting. But what you're not going to tolerate is some obnoxious guy at the front door bantering back and forth with your wife when she's already been gracious and said, sir, no, thank you. We're not interested. Or let's change it. Okay, let's assume that you guys are going to follow Christ and your Christian family. And there are Jehovah Witnesses on the front door. There are Mormons on the front door. And they're trying to invite your wife to church. Are you going to step up to the plate? Are you going to step up to the plate and be the godly men that God has called you to be and take over the conversation? Y'all getting what I'm saying here as a similar comparison to what Adam failed to do. Great. <clears throat> what did Adam and Eve fall from or from what state did they fall from? Innocence. Innocence. Yep, we're looking for the word innocence. Perfection. Yeah, innocence is clearly a better word, but, um, you know... <sighs> I don't know how we can we assess that they were perfect you know that's that's an interesting question what was adam you know was adam created perfect i guess in some sense he was um that's interesting number nine who is the serpent satan. yeah the satan the adversary number 10 the serpent is a, a what Demon. A deceiver or a liar. Yeah, a deceiver or a liar. <clears throat> what we're looking for there. Right. After spiritual death, that was helpful for you. You should have got the other one right because of that. What followed? Physical. Yeah, physical eventually followed. When did the Satan fall? All right, what kind of answers do you guys have here? When did the Satan fall? After Adam and Eve ate the fruit. After? Well, he fell. Well, he did. He fell before because he had to deceive them. But I was meaning like he. That's yeah. Jane, what do you put? What'd you put down? That's a debated question. But the author of the article believes when he saw Adam being elevated to a higher position. Okay. I put, we don't know, but we think when Adam was made. Okay. Lucas? Uh, I put, the subject is up for debate, but many argue he fell when he tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God. Okay. Jack? We don't know for sure, but we think he fell in the garden. All right, good. If he didn't fall in the garden, if he didn't fall in the garden, when do we know for sure that the fall was after? When do we know for sure the fall was after? Y'all should be able to answer this. Lucas. Creation, because God said that everything was very good. Right, so it has to be after that declarative statement. Where's that found? Genesis what? 131. Yeah, 131, in which God says what? That everything he had made was very good. Yeah, it was very good. And, and if they had fallen, it would be difficult to make that pronouncement. So, um, were they created in a fallen state? No. No. no, and they. Who am I talking about when I say they? Adam. No. Oh, the creation. The spiritual beings, right? What do we call those spiritual beings? Angels. Yeah, we call them angelic beings, spiritual beings. And there seems to be an entire realm out there. In the book of Job, they're called sons of God, which is really interesting to call them sons of God. 
Some places in um, the, the Old Testament call him Elohim in that plural sense. And then a demon becomes what? What's a demon, Jaden? Uh, an angel that fell. Yes, an angel that fell. Right. So then, why why is Satan called? Why does Satan get this special title? What the the adversary, the Satan? He was the first one. Seems to be a leader of some sorts, some type of a of a significant leader. Pastor John? Yep. Can I tell you mine? Because I'm not 100% sure. Sure. Satan fell when he saw Adam's position of authority on earth and tried to get him fired from it. Sure, that is one person's position. And as long as you grab the idea that we're not positive on that. Mm-hmm. We're not positive. But it, it seems reasonable to conclude if you have God and you have all these angelic beings and man has yet to be created... There's nothing really to be envious of. Because envy is one of the the, uh, sins, the vices that causes, that is described in Ezekiel concerning the fall of Satan. So there's, why is there nothing to be envious of? Because there was nothing else created. Right, right. You know, um, they're they're all spiritual beings and they're worshiping the Lord and, and there's no fall yet. And then Adam gets made and Adam's made in the image and... Which the angelic beings are not. not. And then Adam is put in charge of this planet, being given dominion over this planet, which the angelic beings are not. So that seems to be the impetus that sets up the idea of an envy over a position that someone has. All right, what number are we on? Yeah, so let's do some consequences. Give me one there, Mr. Barry. Consequences of the fall. Uh, sin. Sin. Satan would be continuously fighting with his offspring. Okay. Uh, man would have to work the crushed ground to survive. Yep. When the woman, the woman would have increased pain in childbearing. Yep. Mr. Balfenstein. Man. Yeah. Man would be separated from God. Yep. Bethany. Um, we will return to dust. Yep. Hey, Anna? Are there difficulties? Mm-hmm. Anybody have any issues? All right, score them. Why'd y'all set up like a Jewish synagogue today? You know what I mean by that, Jack? Because Pepper's not here. Mm-hmm. Oh, because Pepper's not here, right? Where's Pepper at? Dying slowly. <laughs> She's so sick. In, in reality, we're all... Dying slowly. But she's slowly dying quicker than us. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> she's dying slowly but quicker than us. <laughs> like, we're dying at this rate and she's dying. I think at this you're rate. failing that explanation. You should just stop. Alright, let's go. Gather them up. Gather them up. Let's get into sin's consequences. Get your article out. Go faster. I got one question wrong. I got no questions wrong. Just write 15 up. 14 and 15. It would be worth six to three points. All right, let's go. Let's go. We're going to look at sin's consequences. We're going to look at the end of the fall on page 15. Then we're going to turn the, the uh, page and look at sin's consequences. And then we're going to give you an article to read that's not in the book called um, uh, Spiritual Death. Okay, so let's look at the yellow. We're in the yellow on the bottom of uh, page number 15. Okay. Jack, nice and large, start with the word the. The fall changed everything. Would humans forever be making coverings for their nakedness? Would they always hide from the presence of God in a state of guilt? Immediately, God decreed consequences for the serpent, Eve, and Adam. The serpent was cursed in verse 14. There would be hostility between him and the woman and their offspring. Childbearing would forever be painful, and the husband-wife relationship would be fraught with difficulties and struggle. The good ground that God had made was now cursed. 
Working at Earth would require painful labor. It would produce thorns and thistles. Man would live by the sweat of his brow and eventually return to the dust he was created from in 2 7 and 3 19. But the same God that issued judgment showed mercy. Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden to keep them from eating the tree of life and living forever in this fallen state. Before God banished them from the cursed world, he clothed them with skins that would endure the harsh world and gave them a new promise of hope. Someday an offspring of Eve would attack the head of Satan in verse 15. This promise of good news is called the Proto-Evangelium. Good job. Nice. All right, so that's our summary to turn the page so that we can get into sense consequences. Let's go ahead and look at our Bible, Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. Let's get into some biblical text this morning. Okay, everyone have a Bible? Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> Let's go with um, Chiron reading in verse number 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who, and he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heard the voice, heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall, be, shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made them tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden until the ground, to the till the ground from which he had taken. So he drove out of the man. He drove out the man and placed cherubim in the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the tree of life. Good job, nicely done. <clears throat> All right, verse number eight. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time in the evening, and they hid from Yahweh Elohim among the trees of the garden. So. 
the Yahweh Elohim called out to the man and said, Where are you? Why is God asking a question? He so wants to know why they're hiding. He needs to, he doesn't know. No, he wants to know. Right. He wants to start a conversation with them. Does he not know what happened? He does. He does. So then why is he engaging in conversation like this? What are we supposed to take away from this? Silence. Yes. You need to fess up. Fess up, okay. What do we see from God in this moment of looking for them? What do we see from God in this moment of walking towards them, calling out, where are you? What, what, what can we learn about the character and nature of God from this simple observation that he's not asking a question because he doesn't know? He wants to be with them. Okay, yeah, That's, you're on the right track. Somebody pick that ball up and carry it down the field a little bit more. She gave us a good hint. She's moving us forward. He's trying to see if they know what they've done. They know, and he knows they know. Is God done with humanity? No, he's not. Even though he issued a decree, which is on the day that you did this, you'll surely die. So they should be done. I mean, God should just be done with humanity. You disobeyed me. I gave you everything that you could eat. Just imagine for a moment in this room that on the every single chair, there is something you can eat. On every single chair, there is something you can eat. There are ch chairs with fruit and vegetables. There are chairs with buckets of chicken. There are chairs with steak. There are chairs with ice cream sundaes. There are chairs with Skittles. There are chairs with special dark chocolate and milk chocolate and caramel chocolate. Anna, what's your favorite thing to eat? McDonald's french fries. <laughs> All right. There is a chair with the freshest McDonald's and french fries seasoned perfectly. What else? Fresh and McDonald's can't be in the same sentence. Fresh and McDonald's can't be in the same sentence? No. <laughs> Bethany, what's your favorite food to eat? Superior bakery donuts. Superior bakery donuts. Okay. Do you have a favorite one in there? You can eat any of them and all of them. Maple bars. What? Superior bakery maple bars. Okay, maple bars. Anybody else have a favorite? Cheese. Cheese. All right, what kind of, what, what's your favorite yeah. cheese, Preston? Cheese. Cheddar. Cheddar cheese. <laughs> Jack, what's your favorite food? Seafood. 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 All right, now what, where am I going with this illustration? Come on, what's the next thing I'm going to say, Jaden? There's something in the chair that you're not supposed to eat. Right, there's one chair in the entire room, and that's the only chair that you can't eat from. But can you eat from everything else on every brown chair in this room? Yes. Yes. Now, how frustrated would you be, Bryson, if they ate from the one thing on the one plate on the one chair that they weren't supposed to when they had every other? I mean, there's 100 chairs in this room. Maybe 85. I saw your look that was like, I don't agree with you. And you're like trying to do the cow thing to see what how close I am. <laughs> I know we had 81 in Sunday school or the other day and there were some chairs empty. All right, Lucas is doing the math for us. <laughs> oh, now everyone's involved. All the homeschoolers are practicing. They're counting. <laughs> You're making me lose my count. Now to restart. I've been talking to you. Diamond, 42. Push is like 60 something. He's in the 90s. You count faster. 
<laughs> I lost my shackles. You're like 93. Uh, what number you were you at? What I was at 94. Hang on. Yeah, so I thought I, Mr. I Mike said that we, Pastor Mike said we put 100 in here. Just round. Forget about the number. Okay. <laughs> you started all this round. Yeah, 94. You can stay afterwards and get the right number. We'll yes. put it right yes. up there so we have the Yes, please. Okay, now. That's the point. The garden was full with more than you can imagine. And yet they did this. And you told them that if they did this, you were done with them. Death. Yet here comes God in his mercy, his grace, and his love for humanity. Where are you? Why are you running from me? You've never run from me before. Never been a problem in our fellowship before. Obvious from the text that they'd seen God and work with God and walk with God and talk with God. Because it says that they knew he was coming. Did you read it with me? Read the language exactly. What's it say, Jaden? And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Hey, first of all, God doesn't have feet. What do we call that? When we ascribe to God something that he doesn't have, what do we call it? Come on, y'all. Anthropomorphic. Anthropology, the study of man. We're giving God something that he doesn't actually have. Bend your ear, Lord. He doesn't have an ear to bend. What, what would we be describing there when we say bend your ear? What, what are we saying there when we're saying bend your ear, Lord? Listen to Yes. Or the Bible says, with an outstretched arm. With an outstretched arm. Does God have an outstretched arm, Jane? Does he have an arm that he stretches out? Then what language would we use then with that outstretched arm? What is the, what is the point of that language? He wants to help you. Yes, he's reaching out. So in this case, he's walking towards them, not away from them. And they hear him walking towards them. So obviously he's done this before because they know exactly what it sounds like when he comes... Is it a breeze? We, we don't know, but it's something that they obviously knew. And then he asked the question, where are you? Fully knowing where they were. Now, what was the Toledoth in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 4? What was the Toledoth? The Toledoth. Yeah, and it was God making a relationship with what? The earth. And is God done with the earth? No. Because no, he's coming calling for him. And then we get this response of the immediate consequence was, was nakedness. So now does, does, is, not does, is Adam's conscious fully awakened at this point? Does he know the difference between right and wrong at this point? Yes. Was that conscious in him prior to this? Seems to be. But now he's aware. Now he's aware. Okay. I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from this? And then what do we call the rest of the scripture? What do we call it? It was rhyming words. The what, what? The blame. The blame. Game. The blame game. Because nobody takes ownership. Do you see anybody taking ownership? No. Yes, it was my fault. I did it. No. No. What's Adam immediately do with his his guilt? What's he immediately do with it? Yeah. And is it really Eve? No. Yeah, what's the language? The woman that you gave me. The woman that you gave me. I wouldn't be in this predicament had you not what? Given me one. Yeah. Given me this woman. So he projects his guilt on God. He would be alone. <clears throat> he would be alone. You are correct, Preston. Mm -hmm. So then what happens next, Jack? What level of projection happens next? And then Eve blames the serpent. Yeah, then she projects her guilt on this. 
you will know that you are maturing as a person when you take ownership of your guilt. You will know that you're maturing, your character is maturing when you take ownership of your guilt. What does that look like, Jaden? Taking ownership of your guilt. Your sin. What's it what's it look like? What would that look like? All right. Taking the punishment. What would it look like in the context of Genesis 3? Addison, what would it look like for Eve in the context of Genesis 3? Acknowledging that she did wrong. Yeah, be real specific. Put yourself, make yourself Eve and make yourself accept the guilt. What would the narrative say? Um, I shouldn't have listened to the serpent. Yeah, yes, Lord. Finish me. Yes, Lord, what? I ate. Yeah. Forgive me. All right, now we get into the consequences. What's the first consequence, and who receives it? The serpent. The serpent. And what is it? Landa, what is it? Beast curse above all of the livestock. Yep. <clears throat> all right, so let's look at our very first paragraph. Lucas, read it read, let, nice and loud. We're on sin's consequences in our article. The first important consequence of Adam and Eve's sin was an awareness of their nakedness, but that was only the first consequence of many to follow. Eating the forbidden fruit was the transgression of God's law. Genesis 3 7 reads, The eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. His awareness of nakedness resulted in an attempt to solve the problem that their disobe their disobedience sin created. And they sewed fig leaves together to and made themselves loincloths, Genesis 3 7. Their action symbolically represents good works people do to bring themselves in a right relationship with God. Right. So, if we wanted to, you could add there after right relationship with God, that whole area. This is man-made what? Religion. This is man-made religion. Nearly every culture that we can imagine on every continent and every language over the hundreds of thousands of years of human existence, there has always been religion. Everyone has a type of religion. And I'm, I'm talking even beyond like Muslims, Juda Judaism, Christianity. I'm talking about the most remote regions of small villages and, and they're, they're worshiping gods and they're trying to be in a right relationship with that God. Why am, I, why am I telling you this? What parallel do I want you to see? What parallel do I want you to see? Immediately, they're aware of their nakedness, and what do they do, Jack? They try to fix it. Yeah, and how do they try to fix it? By making coverings. Yes, and those coverings is my attempt to get right with God on whose terms? My terms. My terms. That's right, on my terms. I'll do something to please you. I'll do something to cover my sin. I'll make an effort. I will make a statue. I will bow to the statue. I will wear beads around my neck. I mean, we can literally go on and on of all the man-made ways that we try to take care of sin. Even people think baptism is a way of taking care of sin. Is baptism a way of taking care of sin? No. No. Okay, why does the Roman Catholic Church baptize babies? What sin are they trying to take care of? Original sin. In other words, they say that a baby is born with sin, and they are correct that a baby is born with sinful nature. So the baptism is to wash away the original sin. And then confession and all the other things that you do are ways of dealing with the ongoing sin problem that you have. I go to confession, I tell you, priest Chiron, all my sins, you tell me to do 15 Hail Marys, read five books of the scripture, apologize to three people, write I will not sin 10 times, and you send me on my way. I go and do all that, and I've absolved for my own what? Sin. sin. Lucas, why are you looking at me like that? That's just... Tyron, why would you sense. do that? 
because I'm the priest. It's what I do in Catholicism. What's that? It's what I do in Catholicism. Yes, there's a form of making atonement for your own sins. Every animal sacrificed, every baby sacrificed to the God of Moloch in the Old Testament, and on and on, are examples of humans trying to put themselves in a right relationship with God. And then what is God's solution to the fig leaves? Does he say, yeah, that's a good covering. Thumbs up. Keep it up. No. No. What's he do instead? Right. And what is necessary for them to have a covering? What are the things that are implied but not specified in the text? The animal has to die. Yes, the animal has to die. Blood has to be, you can't skin an animal without shedding blood. You can't take a skin off an animal and have it live. So the animal dies so that Adam and Eve can have a what? A covering. And this becomes an incredible foreshadowing. What do I mean by foreshadowing? I had to what's gonna happen in the future. Right. You know what a shadow is? A shadow goes this way if the sun's behind me, and you can see, oh, that's a short person, that's a tall person, that's a fat person. The sun has to be above you for that to work. Okay. You want to count the chairs also? <laughs> Just go with the illustration. I'll count the chairs. No, we're doing that after <laughs> The point is, wherever the sun needs to be in order to cast a shadow, you can learn something about what you're seeing from the shadow. Can you learn everything that you need from the shadow? Yep. No. But you can see some things. If we put a shadow of a dog, we should have a shadow of a human, and we put a shadow of a building, you'd be able to tell the difference. If I had a person walking and a person on a bike, could you tell the difference on their shadows? Yeah. Yes. Do you find out the name of the person? No. No. Skin color? No. Gender? No. Okay. Maybe. Perhaps. Possibly. Yes, if the person was turned a particular way that showed off curvatures or whatever, then maybe, or long hair. There's possibilities. But are you limited in what you can grasp? Yes. So in Genesis 3, do we know that Jesus is going to die on a cross for the sins of humanity? No. No. Do we know that there's a possibility that a death is going to occur to provide for something? Yes, because a death did occur. Who died? The animal. The animal. And we know that blood was shed. And our Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So that's the idea right here. Okay. Paragraph number two, Jack. The next consequence we see in the narrative is separation from God. They hid among the trees of, from the presence of God in Genesis 3.8. After a short time of interaction between God and man, angels escorted Adam and Eve out of the garden of God. They could never return. Angels were posted as sentinels you're right. Guards. Since, you know, outside the entrance to ensure that Adam and Eve could not eat of the tree of life. Evidently, but we can't be sure, eating from the tree of life would have meant that the two lived forever in a fallen world. Okay, Addison, paragraph three, please. After calling for and confronting the transgressors, Yahweh God pronounces a series of curses in Genesis 3, 14 through 19. But the most significant significant consequence had already been communicated to Adam in chapter 2, death. Yahweh God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 3:16-17. But they didn't die, or did they? Man is both a physical and spiritual being. Adam and Eve died spiritually that day and needed a savior. They required the Savior that God promised in Genesis 3.15, namely the one who would crush the head of the serpent. See the proto-evangelism. Proto means what? First. First, yep. Evangelism means what? 
No idea at all? Maybe promise? Yeah, it's gospel. Good news. So it's the first announcement of yeah, the gospel or good news. All right, Lucas, in Romans 5, 12. In Romans 5, 12, Paul will explain this reality. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Paul teaches us that man is born dead. Neither Adam nor Eve were dead when God created them. Their death resulted from sinning against God's single prohibition to them. Subsequently, all other humans, including the first human born in Cain, are born dead. Ephesians 2.1 describes man as dead in trespasses and sins. When God saves a person, he doesn't keep them from the greatest physical death. Instead, through Christ Jesus, God saves man from spiritual death and the second death. Paul describes this in Colossians 2.13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and under the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with, with its legal demands. This, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Notice they were spiritually dead and now are spiritually alive. All right, very good. And your article that you're going to read today, Jack, walk back there, make sure there's a homework and there's an article on that little, right there where that coffee mug is. There's perfect. Okay. Not only does Christ Jesus save man spiritually, the Bible describes a second death after the physical death. And let's go ahead and turn to Revelation 20 and 21. We can see this for ourselves. Revelation 20. Alright. Okay, let's look around verse number 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God in Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So that's our first reference to second death. All right. Let's see. There's another reference to second death. Verse 14. Let's look at verse 14. Someone else read 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Okay. So, since we're talking about a second death, we can take a moment here and we can build a chart. Right? This is not hard to do. Divide our board into four quadrants. Okay? And over here, we're going to put second death. And what is this second death? The lake of fire. Yep, the lake of fire. So if there is a second death, what is clearly implied, Lucas? And then there's a first death as well. And there must be a first death, right? And this first death is what? Physical death. Physical death. That's correct. This is physical death. Okay. In comparison to the like a fire. Now we also read about a first what? First resurrection. Resurrection has one S or two S's? Bethany, resurrection have one or two? Mm -hmm. One. One, okay. All right. Now we need to do some parallel construction here. If we have a first resurrection, then we must have a second resurrection because we have a second death. If we have a second death, we must have a first death. So this is the implications here. So all experience this, almost all. We can talk about the exception clause there in just a moment. So the second resurrection now corresponds to this. And what do you think that would be? The 
the second resurrection as it corresponds to the first death. Come on, nobody can think through this with me? Hey, this is your, what'd you say? Can you repeat the question? Yeah, Anna, sure. So we're trying to figure out, we, 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 we've nailed down that the second death is the lake of fire, and we've nailed down that the first death is the physical death that occurs, that this is the dirt nap. Okay? Right? Got it? Based on this, because of the verse, the five, that says first resurrection, there must be a second resurrection. So we want to see if we can figure out a correlation here. Okay? If you're a Christian, you may experience the physical death, but you're not going to what? Yeah, you're not going there. So we're going to line this out for you as a Christian. Okay? Now, what is the relationship between the first death and the second resurrection here? As we're trying to figure out what's the first resurrection, we're trying to figure out what the second resurrection is. So what, what do y'all think? Do you have any ideas at all? Heaven. What's that? Heaven. Okay, well, this is a resurrection. This is coming to life. Well, let me help you. This is the bodily resurrection that you will bodily. This is the bodily resurrection that you will experience someday in the future. The Bible uses language like the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ. The Bible also says, Landon, that absent from the body is present with the Lord. So now I'm really in a quandary because you just told me that absent from the body is present with the Lord. And you told me that the dead in Christ will rise first. So which is it? This is where we need to understand the by nature of, of humanity, which is you are a spirit and you are a what? Besides being a spiritual being, what are you? Physical. Yes, you are a physical being. Do you have skin? Yes. Yes, right. You got it. Okay, you hit each other with skin. Okay, right. So your physical body dies. But if you're a Christian, your spiritual body, the moment you cease to breathe or have a pulse, you are resurrected. So the first resurrection is a spiritual resurrection, and the second resurrection is a bodily resurrection. Okay? A bodily resurrection. Okay? When you die, Jaden, if you're born again, Jaden, when you die, you do not cease to exist. You now live in the presence of the Lord. You, there is a life beyond the grave for you. Your body's in the dirt, and you're living somewhere else, having been resurrected in a spiritual sense. You're alive and well. And this is the distinction that we are trying to make here by talking to you about the second death, making sure that you understand this chart right here. The first resurrection, the second resurrection, the first death, the second death. <clears throat> so not only does God, Christ Jesus save man spiritually, but the Bible describes a second death after the physical death. In Revelation 20 and 21, the Apostle John communicates that the eternal lake of fire is the destiny of the unsaved. John writes, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. But as for those whom Christ has saved... The second death has no power over them. The believer in Christ is saved spiritually while on this earth and has two resurrections to anticipate. The first resurrection occurs when the body dies. The Lord doesn't leave man's spirit in the grave. He brings it to himself. In heaven, the believer waits for the second resurrection from the grave. Turn over to Revelation chapter number uh, 6. So turn back to Revelation chapter number 6. And look at verse number 9, Jaden. Okay. 
chapter 6, verse number 9. It says, When When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge all our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So, where's their physical bodies, Jaden? Where's their physical bodies? On earth? Yes. Perhaps buried, perhaps not. For example, when they took the lions into the, the uh, arenas in Rome and with the Christians and they ripped the Christians to pieces, separating their upper torsos from their lower bodies and ripping their arms out of their sockets and consuming them, I doubt they gave them a good, solid Christian burial. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. But the moment that Christian ceased to exist as a alive on this planet because they were ripped apart by a lion, their spirit was where? In heaven. With the Lord. What word is this script? I use the word spirit. What word is being used here? Soul. Soul. Right. The soul is the spiritual component to the human. It's what separates man from... Animals? Yes. Your pet that you love, that dog or kitten that you love in your house doesn't have a soul. It's not a spiritual being. But humans are alive and well in this chapter, and what are they crying out to God? Avengers. Yeah, how long, O Lord, until what? How long, O Lord, until you avenge what? Yeah, what do they mean by that? Satan. They're saved. They're in heaven. Kill those who kill them. Yes. Exactly. They're crying for justice. They're crying for justice. The first resurrection occurs, I'm in the middle of the paragraph, the first resurrection occurs when the body <clears throat> dies. The Lord doesn't leave man's spirit in the grave. He brings him to himself in heaven. In heaven, the believer waits for the second resurrection from the grave, where God unites their spirit slash soul with the resurrected body. Then believers live forever with God in spiritually glorified bodies. See 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Revelation 25-6. Will you live forever with God? And then we have a small chart left. And then what is the chart outline? Yes, the actual tangible physical consequences that are alive and well on this earth. Okay. So when Adam sinned, did he need to be saved? Yes. Yes, he sure did. He needed to be saved just like every other person needed to be saved. All right, let's go back to Genesis chapter number three and we'll wrap it up with the consequences. Consequence number one for the serpent was what? Cursed above all livestock. Yeah. Yep, let's read it exactly. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. What is seems to be implied here about the serpent's position prior to this? He wasn't slithering. Yes, he wasn't slithering. That is correct. Yeah, there is a transition that has occurred here. It's very doubtful that the snake on the ground would have much of a conversation with Eve. And whenever you see like a snake wrapped around a tree in a picture, probably not the best illustration. Why not? Because it doesn't have legs. What? Because it doesn't have legs in those illustrations. Yeah, there seems to be something different. Bryson? Well, he wasn't really a serpent. People, I've heard people make the argument that he could shape shift, and I mean, I think that's interesting, but I don't know if that's like exactly what happened. If maybe the serpent was more of just a illustration using the words. Yeah. Some type of a change occurred with this being, though. 
now this being eats what? Dust. What's kind of crazy to think about here is there's a parallel that occurs in the New Testament. And I think it's in Luke, but I'm not positive. But it seems to teach. No, it does teach, not seems to. So it does teach there, and it seems to have implications to what we're talking about in Genesis. But it seems to suggest very clearly in the New Testament that Satan embodies... Now you tell me. Humans? Who? Who's the traitor in the New Testament? Judas Iscariot? Yes, Judas. Yeah, Iscariot. So in order to get Judas to do exactly what he wanted him to do, he embodies him. Okay? He embodies him. There also seems to be an indication that the same thing happens with the Antichrist in the future. So, based on this idea right here, did this fallen spiritual being embody the serpent? You follow what I'm saying now here? So, like this, goes into the serpent and then leaves the serpent. And then whatever the consequence of this serpent was, the actual physical serpent to show judgment against this serpent was what? A change in how he was. And what was that change? Well, we're not exactly sure, but it seems to imply a snake-like configuration where you're going to eat dust. So obviously, was he eating dust before? No. Or it wouldn't be a change. It wouldn't be a change. By the way, the same thing happens with Judas. He goes out and hangs himself. So even though Satan leaves, Judas still has a consequence. Like the serpent had a consequence. All right, what's next? I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That's the proto-evangelum that we're going to talk about in the future. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains and bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. That second sentence right there, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. That is a really difficult Hebrew sentence. We should have some variants in translations. What does your Bible say, Addison? Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Yeah, so and versus but. So there, that means that we're trying to figure out how to translate that Hebrew conjunction. Anybody else have a different translation? Your desire shall be contrary contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Okay, contrary. So now that, that word contrary is being inserted to try to explain why is it that we just can't take this woman right here and this man right here and say, do you guys love each other? And they say, yes, we love each other. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And then they never have a single argument ever again after that because they each love each other. I mean, that's how your parents are, right? You've never seen your parents have a disagreement before, right? That's not true. That's funny. That's funny. That's not true. Laugh, laugh, laugh. This is explaining why we have this. This is explaining why your mom and dad and every mom and dad ever created from Adam and Eve can't always get along. I mean, they say they love each other. Like, okay, you guys love each other. Why can't you get along? Well, because the woman has a desire and the man has a desire and they're not always what? Yeah, they're not always the same sheet of music. They're not always there. Land in your translation, you use the word contrary. He's ruling over you. Don't rule over me. You're not my boss. Your mom has this idea. Your dad has this idea. And they don't, they don't go together. They're not this way. They intersect. Right. And then they have to work through it. They have to have struggle through it. And parents struggle through it in different ways. This is why we're having this right there. You have a desire to be married. You have a desire for a husband. But with that desire for a husband creates this complexity, this struggle in the marriage. And it's not always good. 
Then the woman gets some particular consequences, first labor, and then the struggle of marriage, and then the man gets some very specific consequences. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by painful labor all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, plants of the field, bread by the sweat, and then eventually, what's the ultimate consequence? Death. Death. Physically. Yep, physical death. And how, how do we know it's physical death? Because they've already entered spiritual death. Yep, and why else? What's the exact, exact language in the text? Come on, read it. Or end it there, right? Look, look at verse number 19. And to dust you shall return. And to what? To dust you shall return. Right. For dust you are. For dust you are. Exactly. So we clearly know that's physical because he was made from dust and he's returning to yes. dust. Right. So there's the physical death, which is the ultimate and final consequence. All right. We've got an article to read that's not in your book. So let's make sure we get that in the back and then a homework. And then where's your homework? All right. Gather it up, please.